Hello, welcome to the Get French Football News show. What a weekend, drama all around, with late goals, including an overhead by a certain Brazilian, comebacks everywhere you look as well, including that of a certain Brazilian, and enough VAR controversy to make everybody sick, including a certain Brazilian whose second goal was denied. We'll talk about all that, and of course look forward to the European fixtures that start this week. In the Champions League, PSG hosts Real Madrid, Lyon hosts Zenit St. Petersburg, and Lille drive up to Amsterdam. And then we'll have a little bit on Europa League as well. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. I have with me today, Mohamed Ali. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. And Rich Allen, excited for the Europa League campaign to start again for Rennes? I'll be the I'll be the one sole European rem- representative on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mo, well, I mean, I was about to say, you know, who needs European football when you can have the kind of match we had last night? Monaco, Marseille. Monaco up 2-0 with uh, 20 or 30 minutes gone, only to end up losing 4-3. An incredible comeback win. Mo, what what did you think when Monaco were 2-0 up? Well, what did you think was going to happen from there on? Um, I mean, we conceded two goals uh, from, you know, very, very silly methods uh, in that, um, you know, the the penalty uh, that Ben Yedder converted came from a very silly handball. Um, I mean, it is the rules these days. People might say, you know, it was involuntary or whatnot, but you can't just keep your hands that outstretched. And even mm-hmm. it takes like a tap off the hand, you know, you're asking for trouble. So no concern there. But it really did sort of, you know, unravel the game plan that OM sort of had, which was to absorb Monaco um, and to sort of create, you know, carefully craft chances and not just sort of go end to end. As it was, I mean, the most most important thing was for Andre Villas-Boas to sort of continue to get the team to be solid um, against, you know, you know, in, in tough fixtures, which Monica still counts against, um, um, where OM sort of have been defensively, you know, shocking over mm. the last couple of seasons. Um, so that was that was really really annoying thing, and then for for Benyeda to score again because of uh, a shot that initially Mandanda had saved, but. There was no follow-up from the defenders to sort of put pressure on the striker. In the end, Benyeda only had an empty goal to tap into. So, I mean, on one hand, I thought that's two very, very awkward goals to concede. Um, and on the other hand, we've spoken about it before, where Monica screwed up a two-goal lead already um, in the preceding game. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen here. And so it did. Um, so it was a great fight back from, from OM, um, you know, they continued not to go crazy, not to lose their heads after Tuna, but to continue pressing the goals, trying to find uh, an opening, which eventually came through uh, Benedetto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a very fortunate uh, German header, which no one saw uh, yesterday, <laughs> because uh, the TV cameras had decided to you know, sort of pack it in. And I, I certainly didn't believe it. So it took me up until halftime to actually verify whether it had gone in, but it did. Um, so Benedetto just hit the crossbar from a header. He actually thought it was all over. He sort of disappointingly walked back towards uh, where play uh, had continued. Um, mm-hmm. But OM still had possession of the ball, and the ball came in, and he just saw the ball sort of looping over his head, thinking it's going to go out for a goal kick. And there's Valet Germain sneaking up from behind to, to head it past the Lecomte. And in the second half, it was just, you know, there was one team in its ascendancy, and one team who could scarcely believe dropping, dropping goals again. 
And Marseille very expertly sought out the game, I feel. So we've got, obviously, Payet who scored a fantastic goal and, and Benedetto wants more to really sort of assert himself as Owen's true number nine. So all in all, um, a very, very, very positive result last night. Absolutely. And, and Rich, for Monaco, another two-goal lead lost. Unbelievable, isn't it? It's rid- it is ridiculous. I mean, we, we can dissect Monaco... Uh, forever and a day, it, it still comes down to the same problems of of that defence. You know, we can we can give them one small positive, two small positives. That Benyeda Slimani partnership continues to be their only source of of likely points. Mm-hmm. I think this season, you know, two good goals. We want a good goal for Benyeda Poacher's finish. Slimani looked really well, and the two of them really do seem to be forging a a strong relationship, but it's everything behind them where where there are problems. Now, we saw the return of, of Bakayoko last night. I thought he had a, a reasonable game for his first game back. He, he was good enough, um, I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he, he, he set up the uh, the Cater Balde goal, really good mm. run uh, down the wing, which is not, not something you say about Bakayoko too <laughs> often, but run down the wing and a good cross for Balde. I mean, Fabregas, absolute nightmare, and mm-hmm. the keeper rights would give him a two out of ten rating because he was he was shambolic, uh, and has just been you know another high profile transfer misstep for them. And then at the back, yeah, it's it's still too much of a shambles. You know, we know the likes of of Ruben Aguilar. We know he's a good player. We saw it at at Montpellier. Yet there's just this curse over the back line at Monaco where it, it determines that. No matter what your reputation, no matter what your past, you will move and play poorly. Um, it's unfair to single him out. It's a it's a group effort to be that bad at the back. Um, and if I'm singling anyone out, I will continue to single out Camel Glick. You know, he is a league and title winning uh, centre back and continues to look completely out of his depth. The, there's there's no communication at the back. There's no organisation. Holes appear almost at will. Uh, Marseille may actually feel a little bit disappointed that it finished 4-3 and the gap for their win wasn't even bigger because it could quite easily have been. The defending for Marseille is that shambolic. And it perhaps goes to show, and to emphasise it enough, is it made Marseille's defending look pretty competent, actually, which I think probably... <laughs> just about sums it up. But until they sort that out, they're going to continue to face these big, big issues. It makes for fantastic entertainment, doesn't it? Two teams with, with pretty poor defence and and on-form forwards. Um, you know, we wish we could see this every week. Well, with Monaco, we kind of see it every week, actually. But, uh, Mo, the Marseille lined up with a front three of Payet, Benedetto and, and Germain, who was out on the, on the right wing, which is kind of unusual for him. Now, I know you're... I know you're not a, the biggest fan of his, even though you have to give him credit for his his you know his heading ability has always been his main uh, yeah. competence I think, and he scored again. But- I mean, it just it just goes to show um, that you know when when he doesn't shoulder much of the attacking responsibility, being the target man, uh, but he's either playing off the right in a support function mm-hmm. or off the main striker. Um, that he he is he's a confident footballer. He draws in space. He makes the movements. He's a you know a nifty little player. Um, he he gets stuck in, but obviously as a focal point man, 
if you're spearheading your attack, it just doesn't work. And last night was an example. I mean, we we all know how Shaman played superbly off off Falcao uh, at Monaco a couple mm-hmm. of seasons ago, um, and against again with Balotelli um, when Rudy Garcia tried a four four two early on this year, it also worked to some effect. Especially that, but you know, it sort of enabled Balotelli to get a couple of goals as well in quick succession. And with Sakai injured and Sar moving backwards, Andre Villas Boas said um, before the game, you know. We've got opportunity here. Jermaine's interesting as a right winger for me. He see he he looked the part in the summer. I'm going to try it out. And Jermaine had a very very good game yesterday, doing exactly the sort of things which he he is capable of doing, and that we haven't seen him doing for 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 a very long time. Um, because Rudy Garcia continued, whether it was for lack of finances or his just general general distrust of of other home strikers such as Costas and Nitroglu. Mm. Um, you know, something that he refused to do for such a long time, so stubbornly. And Jermaine is not your confidence sort of striker, your main number one striker. And the fact that you've let him play in big games against Paris Saint-Germain at Lyon in the Europa League final and all sorts of stuff, of course, it's, it's not going to be, you know, all that pressure is not going to, uh, it's, sort of, it's not going to help him express himself on the pitch. Whereas with Benedetto, who has that sort of swagger and confidence, and that finishing ability, let, letting him take the the reins and you know pushing Jermaine into support function has worked really well. Last night he made so many interesting runs. He was very good on the ball, um, you know, intersecting well not only with the midfield but with with Star yeah. behind him as well. A lot of people were rightfully very nervous, but Jermaine, I thought, had an excellent game. Yeah, and clearly Benedetto after an amazing start with Marseille. That's his. Uh, was it fourth or fifth goal? It was Four. his fourth goal. And then see if, if he hadn't missed that penalty, he would have had five from five and possibly Owen would have joined Paris Saint-Germain at the top. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Four goals from five. Good start as well for Andre Villas-Boas. Uh, however, Rich, his, uh, his compatriot, Leonardo Jardim, we have a question on Twitter here from someone whose Twitter handle is AS Monaco English. Obviously no connection actually to the Real Club. It's a fan account, but he's asking... Should Jardim get sacked from Monaco? Who should be his replacement? Who should be the new sporting director? It's kind of a tough one. But... Uh, well, who should be who should be sporting director is the bloke that they got rid of um, three or four seasons ago, and who's now in a Luis nice Campos. position at nice position at Lille. But then that's mm-hmm. never going to happen. Yeah. Um, it, it, to to answer the the coaching question, I don't see how Jardim stays in the job. Uh, the reports yesterday seem to suggest that. Monaco were going to give him until the October um, international window. I mean that that may be too long. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't see how he stays. If I'm perfectly honest, the the players aren't responding. Um, there's there seems to be no upturn in in either performance or fortune. Unfortunately, he's got he's got to go, and you know he's he's obviously had a lot of good times at. at at Monaco, but it's allowed to drift, I think, too long. The writing was on the wall at the end of his first stint. Things had a two, three-week improvement after his return and, and Henri's departure, but we're back to where we were prior to him leaving and actually probably worse off. So I don't see how he stays. In terms of who comes in, um, it, it's a it's a, it's a a big shout and it's a big name. It wouldn't surprise me, Monaco being Monaco, if they went for a big, big name, 
And it wouldn't surprise me if they did try and make, I'm not saying he would take it, but it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to make a play for someone like a Mourinho. It, it, it really wouldn't. You know, he's, he's someone that's been out of a job for a long time now. He's had flirtations with, with Liga and before. Um, I'd say I'm not sure he would take the role, but if there's money available and there is, you know, he can have his say and he is the man, maybe he could be tempted. But it wouldn't surprise me to see them go for a big, big name like him. That, in terms of entertainment, that would be something. Not sure how much money is left after this summer for them, however, but we'll see. Their their next match uh, this weekend is away to Reims. Um, I think we all know who's going to win that because Reims are the giant slayers of the league. Um, my personal highlight from the match, which no one has brought up, was Dario Benedetto catching the ball in his hands in in his own penalty area before the referee had whistled a foul bold move. <laughs> very bold, very lucky because it was. I mean, I don't think it was a foul. What the ref called, um, it was just an unlucky clash of heads, and I think well, he I called think, the foul. Think- yeah, I think on that incident, I've got no issue. The play should have been should be stopped. It was mm-hmm. clearly a, a quite a nasty looking clash of heads, entirely accidental. Um, but it, it's a bold move to. I mean, the replays clearly show because they were pretty much right next to each other that he catches the ball before the referee's arm has even moved to bring the whistle to his Nowhere mouth. Close, so yeah, yeah. So it, it's <laughs> it's bold, and I can sort of. See why Mar- uh, sorry, I see why Monaco might feel slightly aggrieved. It was right that the game was stopped, but that shouldn't necessarily be the player's decision. That you know, especially as the referee course, was yeah. pretty much the same distance away as Benedetto. That should be the referee's call, and and it has the potential to set quite a a, a risky precedent for sort of players deciding when play stops because. Had that not been in the penalty area, I, I think they probably would have. He would have been he would have been penalised. I reckon. But it, uh, it was in the penalty area. It would have been a big call for him for the referee to say, actually, handball. That's a penalty that late in the game. I think it not being in the penalty area might have just had a a bearing on what the what the decision could have been. Uh, but yeah. I, I agree. I agree. It, the game. Should have been stopped. It was a head injury. You know, we, we know all the issues regarding head injuries and concussion and things like that. That it, it the game should stop for a for a thing for something like that. But I think the referee needs to be Definitely. taking the lead was, on that. He was just playing with, with fire there and you know, play the whistle is the number one rule to follow always. Let's move on to PSG. Now Friend of the show, Jeremy Smith, tweets us, can you go the whole episode without mentioning the N-word? Game on? <laughs> I don't know if we'd be able to, if I'm <laughs> honest. He made it difficult himself, I think. Oh, yeah, we've made it this far. Well, I think everyone knows who we're talking about. He made his return for PSG on Saturday. And obviously... Well, we could talk about what happened during the first 90 minutes, or we could just skip ahead to <laughs> his overhead goal in extra time after having been booed by the fans for a long period of the match. Uh, you know, good for him, I think. Don't you agree? He, he put his head down and he, he played all right, I thought. 
he, who, I mean, <laughs> he's still mentioning his name or, or not. Um, <laughs> yes, no, I think we'll have to, but um, All right. Yes, he who must not be named. I mean, he, <laughs> I think, I mean, judging from a footballer's point of view, he he did exactly what was expected to be of him. And I think, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be sort of hypocritical because we spoke earlier on in the season that the PSG fans have a right to feel aggrieved uh, the way they did, um, mm-hmm. just putting the match to one side slightly. Um, you know, like the, the the banners. Okay, some of them might might have been too sort of insulting in nature. Um, there were very uh, certainly some colourful banners and some colourful language used um, at the weekend. But at the end of the day, this was the player that PSG had uh, put a you know massive outlay on, who was there to be made to feel like the prince of Paris, who was there to take PSG to the next level. And they've certainly you know made an effort to, for for that. And he's angling for a move to Barcelona, which he himself confirmed this this weekend in the. The post-match press conference said, "You know, it's true. It was my wish to go. I really wanted it. It didn't happen. So now I'm here. So of course they have every right to feel sort of aggrieved in that this is going to be sort of a, a season of convenience rather than him actually genuinely working to further PSG's aims. But of course Neymar is a professional, and he'll obviously have a wry smile in that. You know, again, without without him, had he not been on the bench, they would have most certainly." Uh, being dragged to a, a very pitiful nil-nil draw against Strasbourg, but he was there, picked up in the 91st minute with a moment of magic, because he is, you know, the third best footballer in the world. Um, he is an incredible player, and those moments of magic are exactly what you get. Um, mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see sort of what, you know, what is the relationship going forward again. You know, tomorrow is a massive ge- uh, Wednesday is a massive game. Um, you know, against Real Madrid, will the banner still be there? Will the chance still be there? That tomorrow is a sort of uh, sorry. Later this week will be the sort of game uh, where he's there to earn his money. Yeah, just finishing up on Strasbourg. Rich, you know Strasbourg obviously set up with a very defensive lineup as they very often do. But I thought during the let's say the first half of the second half, they seemed to dominate and they had a few chances which you know ended up costing them the game. I think because it woke up PSG. But you know they could have come away with this with more than. Definitely more than a loss, maybe more than oh, a draw. Absolutely, yeah. No, they had chances. Um, they forced Kalon Navas into uh, a few saves. And in my role as chief campaigner for for Alphonse Ariola and and <laughs> uh, and justification for for him, they were regulation saves. I don't think there was anything that was outstanding. There was mm, a couple yeah. of good good saves, but still saves you'd expect to make. But yeah, no Strasbourg. You know they 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 seem to be able to know how to sort of um, push PSG. I think to the limits. You know we've we've seen them beat PSG in seasons gone by, and they push PSG to the very limit um, of the, of the game on 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 Saturday afternoon. Um, so again, it's you can only you can only praise the the way that Strasbourg seem to up their game when they're playing the very best in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, strong performances on a, one player to watch out for, I think, from Strasbourg is Mohamed Simakan, who who's, who plays right back. And he's only, what is he, he's 18 or 19. And he's been starting pretty much since the beginning of the season. And he's he was very impressive again on Saturday. So, obviously, PSG start their Champions League campaign on Wednesday against Real Madrid. Uh, 
that's a, I mean, it's a fantastic uh, lineup for the uh, fantastic opponent to start with. Although, of course, Real are not really at the top of their game right now. On Saturday, they almost gave up a three-goal lead against Levante. It finished 3-2. How do we feel about Real Madrid? How do we feel about Zidane's return? Mm, they're still fighting themselves a little bit. You get, you know, you feel. Um, you know, I think some, you know, it'll, be, it'll be a very, very big opportunity for PSG to open up the campaign with a, with a good performance. Particularly because you know, they're still missing certain players. And it's really Benzema who's holding uh, sort of Real Madrid, mm. uh, you know, alive. Um, they've conceded so many goals. Uh, you know, they've conceded six goals in the first four games. Um, they really were poor at the back to allow Levante almost into into the game uh, in the second half. Um, add to that the sort of silliness... Um, or the Real game a couple of weeks ago, and you think that against a more solid outfit, uh, Real Madrid will struggle. I mean, some of their key players are yet to sort of gel into the side. Uh, Aiden Hazard, for example, has, has we've only seen glimpses of him so far. Um, mm-hmm. But the Champions League is a different sort of beast, and the Champions League is where Real Madrid uh, thrives. So it should be an incredible game. But I, for one, would just go out on the limb and say that even if PSG win 4-0 or something, it won't mean anything because we all know what's going to happen uh, about five months from now anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Getting that prediction early in. Um, yes. Madrid, as you mentioned, you know, have had a wee start, but some players are coming back. Eden Hazard is back in the side and, and should be able to play. Gareth Bale is there as well. They will have trouble defensively, I think, because uh, Marcelo is a doubt or pulled out of the squad today. I'm not entirely sure, but unlikely to play. Yeah, that's agree. Yeah. Sergio Ramos and uh, Nacho are both suspended, so Eder Militao is set to start next to Varane in central defence. Uh, Rich, meanwhile, PSG have their offence depleted, mm-hmm. apart from possibly Icardi might start. I think they're going to have to. There, there's, yeah, there's, there's not much else unless they revert back to... to to plan B and, and, and Chupo Moting. But yeah, there's no Mbappe, there's no Cavani, no Draxler, no Dagba, no Keira, no Neymar, who's suspended. Um, you know, that's that's a significant uh, number of, of high-quality players missing. So it's almost going to feel a bit like a a reserve team, a B-team game, because both Ooh. both teams are are without key players for, for differing reasons. Um, so it's it's not going to be a chance for everybody to see the you know the very best coming up against the very best person you know, personnel wise, um, but you know PSG it's not the easiest of groups. They are going to need to put in a performance. They are going to need to make a statement if anything. You know, let let people know that you know they mean business and that even without those players that I just mentioned they can still put in that kind of performance um, and that they can, they can get a result against, you know, the, the a, a European heavyweight. So it's, it's going to be a very intriguing match. I, I'm struggling desperately with myself to try and come up with a prediction for, for how the game will go, because I think on the basis, on the basis of who's missing for PSG, I'm struggling to make a an argument for them coming away with all three points. 
Yeah. Um, so I would probably just play it safe and sit on that fence firmly and go with that this this will finish as a as a score draw of some kind because I just don't know if if PSG will will have enough with those such big players missing whether they'll have enough to break down a Real Madrid team that I yes they're missing some key players as as you've mentioned but um I just don't know if there's enough necessarily that they'll see them get the win I I agree with with the sentiment that you know it's it's hard to predict because I, I feel as well that both teams neither of them is really ready for this match really ready for you know the start of the highest level just yet um and i feel like it's going to be kind of a messy game there might be several goals so i, I would think something like a 2-2 if i would ha- I, I, i might give psg the advantage just because they're playing at home um and obviously the the park is you know there's a good fervor there and yeah it might make a difference in a match where neither team is completely ready i will make one slightly more confident prediction i think if chupomoting plays he will score i just have a feeling that this is going to happen <laughs> but <laughs> mo how about you I, mean, I was curious i thought um um Richie, your sort of comment that it might be sort of a b team against a b team or something when you look at PSG obviously Neymar is suspended, but you've got you know Di Maria, Icardi, and Sarabi up front. And uh, oh, it's big teams go. It's a very high quality. Yeah, it's it's still very very good. I mean, I mean, like I said, you know, it was it's it's still a fantastic sort of team that you'd be able to think oh, that yeah. you know would be able to to you know it's what's why you it's why you went for them. It's why you're trying to build an all round squad that this team uh, is still capable of putting something off. And I agree. I think with Rich and. You know, I'll go for a score draw, and I think it might be a messy game. Uh, it was 1-1 or 2-2. Yeah. And then, obviously, Areola won't be playing, so there's no... Uh, they won't... <laughs> no story there, I guess, even though he has said that Tuchel um, kind of let him go unfairly, possibly. I, it's a big game for Tuchel, especially, in my opinion. Probably more so than... Well, yeah, I would say more so than for Zidane. Um, of course. Yeah, of course, because it's you know he's still under the microscope in that, um, you know, like PSG do need to sort of recall themselves against big sides, against the very very big sides, and and he's he, you know the coaches he had he had an acceptable but not satisfactory season last year, mm. and so at the start of this one, having had you know a number of good signings to sort of fill up the squad. And keeping Neymar and getting Icardi and all of these other, you know, like there's there's not a lot of time um, left. You know, Emery wasn't given beyond the second season, for example. Um, so this season must be uh, a significant improvement on last year's one, <laughs> and that obviously means in the Champions League, um, where they will need to sort of beat the teams when it matters. Um, that worked to great effect. Uh, for for Tottenham and Ajax and and Liverpool last season as well, so PSG certainly do have the resources to match that and more. Uh, and it starts tomorrow against you know uh, a team that's won the Champions League three times in the last four or five years. So it's it's very very important. There's just sort of no room for error in that group. Absolutely. Well, that's Wednesday night PSG Real Madrid. Let's move on to our next Champions League team. Lyon, they played on Friday. They ho- they played in Amiens. 
And it was the first of many comebacks over the weekend. And Lyon went 2-0 up before uh, finally conceding an equaliser, a very late equaliser to make it 2-2. Rich, what do we make of this Lyon team? I mean, I think I'm asking the same question every week, but, you know, mm-hmm. what has Silvino changed? What What is... Well, on the, on the face of that performance against Damion, you would say he's not really changed a great deal. Mm. Um, I saw someone make a comment that it was a very Genesio-esque performance. Uh, now, I'm a big, big fan of Genesio. I thought he was treated <laughs> really unfairly, I think, by uh, a number of of, um, of, of people of at Lyon. Yeah. Prim- primarily, primarily the fans, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's it seems to so have got, got off to a as flyer of a flyer of a start as you could possibly get with those mm-hmm. wins over over Angers, the wins over Monaco, great start, but it seems to have just hit a little bit of a sticky patch. You know, this was a game that Lyon should be winning. They went behind early on to a sloppy goal, Jalet free kick that everybody missed, uh, and it snuck in at the, snuck in at the far post. But they responded really well. They were level. Barely two minutes later, uh, Moussa Dembele getting a, a really good striker's finish goal. They went ahead then just before half-time with, with Dembele again, um, pouncing with a really good finish. And that should have been enough then to kick them into, into gear for the second half. But they didn't. They went back into their shell. They looked nervous. And you just sensed that an Amion equaliser was coming. I mean, it, they left it very late. I think it was the 93rd minute, and it was another ex-Leon player in Matthew Bobmer that mm. got the goal. Um, and it was it was just a performance that was very, very much a Leon performance of the last four or five years. A game they should have won, didn't necessarily look like they believed in themselves, and effectively, it, it ultimately cost them those three points. And it's those kind of performances that they really can't afford to put. If they are to be the leading um, challenger for PS to PSG this season, or certainly at least, you know, taking second place by a comfortable margin, they can't afford these kind of performances. Um, and it was another performance where, again, they were sloppy. They looked nervous. No one was really willing to take the game by the scruff of the neck. That should have been a game that someone like Hussein Awar Mm. Took took that took that second half, ran with it, bossed that game, bossed the midfield, pulled the strings, get you know another goal or another two goals, well, get the com- get the comfortable win. But it just never happened, and they faced then coming away from from a game where they should have had three points with a game where they they dropped two points. I imagine you know they probably had their heads turned once they were two in love. They had their heads turned to the next game in the Champions League. Rich, I thought you mentioned Jalé's free kick goal way too casually. I mean, when I heard that Christophe Jalé had scored <laughs> a free kick, I had to do a double take on that one. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I had to. Was that really him that took that? And yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, and I think to be honest, Lopez should have done better because it was. I know he could have expected someone to touch it, and the end, no one touched it. But even after the ball bounced, it was going so slowly. He just stared at it go by I was a bit disappointed well, by I that mean, and Anderson made such a big movement towards the ball and had a big such a big swipe at the ball yet completely missed it that I can I can only put it down to that he was just 
just put off by that because initially when it went in, I thought it was an own goal. I thought Anderson yeah. had swiped at it and got a, be, got a yeah. touch on it. But uh, no, he, he missed it by, by a good distance in the end. But I think his movement and then his swipe at it probably just put uh, Lopez off. Yeah, Anderson swiping and, and, and missing wildly was a pretty common thing during this match as well. He had a pretty terrible game, I thought. Um, and he, he just seemed kind of reckless jumping into tackles or leaving the defensive line way too fast. But um, So, as you mentioned, Jalet and Bodmer, both former Lyon players, a combined age of 71 between the two of them. And here they are scoring this game. Mo, uh, you know, this is good news for Amiens, I guess. And their recruitment policy of signing up former glories. Gael Kakuta had a good game as well, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they sort of deserved uh, something from this game after, you know, a, a rather tough couple of weeks. Um, in Toulouse and in the Toulouse and the Nantes game, you felt that they did make you know a lot of efforts without being rewarded. So it was good for them to sort of get something uh, really pushed Leon. Um, who I thought were very, very shocking defensively, especially, you know, sort of, so you speak about the golden oldies, um, Bodman's goal was very, very slow motion in that it sort of just slowly crept, I felt. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Past the goalkeeper. It was just like, how could you have sort of let that happen? <laughs> but for, for, for Amion, it's, it's definitely, uh, for Eisner, it's definitely uh, well, well deserved. Um, so, I mean, it's a good base to work on um, at the moment. Um, um, now they they've got four points from Lille and Leon um, at home, um, so you, you know you, you've got yeah. to think that in their two games um, they're certainly to build you know trying to build something, and hopefully they can replicate that form away from home as well in the next couple of games. Yeah, there was there was a there was a really nice optostat from from that game mm-hmm. that I particularly enjoyed in that with Matthew Bobmer getting that goal, he became only the third. Uh, player to have scored in 15 different league and seasons since the turn of the century. Really nice. Oh, wow. Um, joining the the select group of Suleiman Kamara and Jimmy Breen. Of course. Of as, course. The, as, the only, as, the on, as the only other two to have scored in 15 different seasons. So he's not prolific, but it is quite an achievement. Yeah, he, that, I, I, it's crazy that he scored in 15 different seasons. I mean, I, I don't have him down as a big goal scorer, but probably when he was younger, he he was probably better going forwards. Um, so Lyon play tomorrow on Tuesday, that is. You're probably listening on a Tuesday. Uh, it's the early kickoff, so watch out for that. And they're hosting Zenit St. Petersburg. Do we know much about how Zenit are doing nowadays? Oh, they have um, they have Malcolm, don't they, from Bordeaux? They have Malcolm, but he's out till uh, oh. October with a with a hip injury, so he won't be around. Um, I think tomorrow might be an interesting game because obviously we we spoke a lot about uh, this time last month about Leon starting the season so so well, and now sort of fans are sort of lamenting, um, especially have, you know being winless in the, in the last three games, the first time that's happened in 2019. Um, that it's resembling a bit of uh, sort of Genesio style in that they're finding it difficult to break down the weaker teams. You know, there's always either some defensive mishap, some lapse in concentration. But tomorrow in the Champions League is where Genesio actually succeeded this time last year, where he, you know, against the bottom half of Liga and things would be very unsa- mm. unsatisfactory. But in the Champions League against the big teams, 
you know, it started this time last year with a win in, in Manchester, if if we remember. Um, so against the Zanit St. Petersburg team, who who are, you know, they're just making their return back in the Champions League. They're, you know, not uprooting any trees yet. Lyon would need to start, uh, you know, in, in great shape. You know, they have to sort of hit the blocks running. It's the first game of the season in the Champions League. It's it's, it's at home where they didn't win last year against Shakhtar or Hoffenheim. As well as as well as Man City, you know that home form where they did qualify, but only only just squeaked in uh, on that on on week six. So, you know, Silvino will need to sort of raise the stakes here because Genesia at the very least got the best out of his team in this competition, um, and Leon will really need to start hit the ground running. It's not enough to sort of wade through this weekend games looking uh, into the Champions League and they're not performing in the Champions League uh, when the time comes. So. Um, you know, to beat Zenit St. Petersburg ahead of playing PSG mm. uh, this weekend it will be will be a big statement. And yeah, I also I would... can't I, I, I can't say whether he'll play or not, but just to add to the, the intrigue, shall we say, is that mm. um Emmanuel Mamana, the former Leon defender, is is at Zenit. So Oh wow. Whether he'll have <laughs> something to say about his return where to a club where I don't really think he got the he chances that he, he deserved, yeah, yeah, yeah. he seems to be a like yeah. seemed to be a big hope, and then never really managed to consistently remain in the team. So, whether I, I'd say I don't know whether he's part of the of the the regular starting eleven for Zenit. Um, shame played, to repeat, um, my knowledge not great, but yeah, whether he plays or not, we'll see. He played twenty four matches in one season at Lyon, um, but I think he wasn't. I think he was kind of criticized. This was 2016-17. Um, yeah, they got rid of him pretty quickly. Uh, and he doesn't seem to play a huge amount with Zenit. So I'm not sure if he'll be there tomorrow. I think for Lyon, um, I mean, you mentioned how they performed last year, Mo. And obviously we saw in the group stage, they were much better against Man City than they were against Hoffenheim and um, and whoever the other team was. Shakhtar. Oh, yeah, Shakhtar, yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering if this group is a little bit too easy for them. I, Benfica, Leipzig, Zenit, I feel like there's not enough well, you know, for Leon. teams. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to disagree there. Um, no, what I, I mean is... This, what, what was that? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry what I mean across. is they always play so much better <laughs> against um, you know, all the big clubs. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly where, I mean, Leon have to measure themselves up against. This is a perfect group um, in that you've got relatively four sides of equal ability. Um, it's it's perfectly wound up. And this is where Monaco, when they had this a group with Leipzig, and I think it was Porto back in 1718, uh, where they had a relatively sort of equal group, they were found out very, very easily. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it has to be a statement of sort of league and quality for the top sides to come through and Neon have more European experience than Leipzig and Zenit at the very least. You know, they've got very exciting players. This is where sort of it counts. Um, it's you know, that excuse of, you know, only sort of bringing it when the top team comes. It's just not enough. They've got a top game on on Sunday at home against Paris Saint-Germain. But to get the three points now would do them a lot of good, especially because, you know, after this game, you're going away. Uh, to either Leipzig or Benfica, I'm, I'm yet to remember. Find out which one, but 
that's a difficult away game. Um, and then a double header um, that comes. So, you know, you don't want to be sort of pointless or with one to three points. You want to have maximum points before the tough games come. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I just, you know, yeah, we have to hope that they've learned the lesson and that they take it seriously, even if it's not, you know, a Champions League winning team they're playing against or anything. But Absolutely. Yeah. Because so they'll all end very quickly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Do we have any score predictions for this one? I mean, it's a little bit tough before we've seen Zenit play, I suppose, but... I'll go, I'll go out on a limb and say, I think... I think Leon will sneak this. I think something like a, a 2-1 win for Leon here. Mm-hmm. I think I'll go for 2-0, Leon. Okay. I'm going to be the pessimist and I'm going to say 1-1. And we'll see what we'll see what happens. The third match, um, the third Champions League team from France this season is, of course, Lille, who had a Fantastic second place finish last year. They also played on Friday, home to Angers. They won 2-1. Uh, they were up 2-0 as well and became a little bit casual towards the end of the match. It could have been a 2-2 as well. But the positives, I guess, um, is their attacking force seems to be... Well, you know, they've certainly found a similar formula to last season, relying on very fast attacks. Does anyone want to talk about Victor Osimhen and, and Luis Araujo's return to form? Well, Osimhen, definitely. I mean, obviously the onus was on who can replace the goals that Nicola Pepe scored last season. Mm-hmm. And and basically, Luis Campos has done his usual magic. Um, he's, he's used his network. He's found a player that a lot of people had, had have mentioned previously. And he was certainly on a lot of people's radars, but perhaps it just dropped off a little. Form wasn't necessarily at the very, very top level. But Campos obviously knows what a good player looks like, has brought him in, and then lost him in. Yeah, I mean, he's hit the ground running in, in quite spectacular fashion, um, to the point where, tongue firmly in cheek, we are we are jokingly saying, you know, Pepe who? It's it's <laughs> he's 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 fitted into that setup seamlessly. You know, I don't it's almost as if you, you couldn't even have necessarily picked a more suitable and uh, an apt replacement for Pepe in, in so much as how he's how he's played. He's perhaps a bit more direct and obviously plays a bit more centrally than Pepe, but he's almost sort of covered the gap that the departures of Pepe and Rafael Leao um impacted Leo uh, impacted Lille's story is that Osim Hen seems to have just taken that mantle and run with it. And Absolutely. it's been it's it's terrific to see. Um one player I did mention and I'm gonna be um I did want to mention here and I will firmly be with a with a specifically biased hat on, but Benjamin Andre I thought had a really good game hmm. uh in midfield and hmm. I'm I mean, we'll come on to their their European tie, but it's going to be fantastic to see a player who has been a bit of a stalwart of Ligue 1, has been a hugely underrated player that's played really well for season after season, get his opportunity, uh, you know, on the biggest stage. So from a personal level, I am really going to enjoy seeing Benjamin Andre have this opportunity finally. Yeah, of course. Uh, some awesome hand stats. It's his fifth goal from five matches in Liga, 
Last year in the Belgian league, where he was on loan, he scored 20 in 36 for his uh, only season there. So I guess that's how he made it to people, some people's radars. But there's people always doubt, you know, oh, the Belgian league is not as good as, or any small country league is not as good as a big one like Liga. But I feel like a lot of clubs who do recruit, you know, the best players from those leagues have pretty good results, as we see with Osimhen. And he is only... 20. He benefited, of course, on Friday from a pretty bad blunder from Ludovic Butel, the Angers goalkeeper, who uh, basically just dropped the ball on his line. Um, and the second goal as well from, from Lille was after a terrible mistake from Angers. Uh, Lille kind of fell asleep after that. Christophe Galtier said that if they had played like they did in the second half against Ajax, they would have lost the match, even even if they even with a two-goal lead. Uh, so it's Ajax tomorrow night, Ajax Amsterdam. It's only a three-hour drive up from Lille through Belgium to the Dutch capital. Ajax have obviously lost a lot of players, but we can always count on them on finding fresh talent, I suppose. And it's a very interesting test for Lille, isn't it? Yeah, um, to play the Champions League sort of finalists, of course, uh, after I think what it's seven years out um, of the of the Champions League, um, mm-hmm. it's it's a great it's a great you know way to start. So you're playing an Ajax team with, yeah, you might have lost De Ligt and uh, De Jong, but they are a team that started the season very very strongly um, in well in general, not just in the Eredivisie, but they came through. Some testing Champions League qualifiers um, have kept uh, Tadic and uh, Ziyech as well. Tadio Fico looks to be another good player who was wanted across Europe at State. He scored a double at the weekend. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's, it's a great great game for Lille to test themselves against. But you know, what I wonder is that their waveform has started very very shocking in the three wins that they've had since uh, the season began have all been at home against uh, against Anyang or Stade um, away from home they've mm. they've been sort of blunt in attack they've not scored a goal they've they've found a bit disjointed so you know um it, it'll be interesting to see you know what sorts of uh, side come out. I mean they've also lost some of the architects from last year as well um it, it might be sort of a squad slim progress a squad Finding itself that it's perhaps caught in the bright lights of the Champions League and the anthem and the and the stage they're playing at. So I think Max will have the upper hand by being you know more experienced hand at, at this sort of this sort of fixture. I mean they obviously defeated memorably a couple of big guns last year, mm. uh, and the crux of the squad still is there, except for like I said, the Lichten, Dion, um, and Dolberg as well, who went to who went to Nice. Um, so. I expect a very, you know, not very comfortable, but, you know, a, a one or two goal win for, for Ajax tomorrow. But if they really do manage to get something out of their game and they also find themselves in a very tough group, I mean, then, you know, it'll be a very, very good platform to start with. Yeah. Ajax also missing um, Van de Beek and Masraoui, both out with injury tomorrow. So I don't know if that adds maybe a little bit of hope for, for Lille going there. Rich, any predictions for this one? Uh, I'm going to be hopelessly optimistic, I think, for, for <laughs> Lille and, and think that they're going to go there. They're going to play a, a counter-attacking style. They're going to use the likes of, of, of Bomber, of, uh, of Ikone and obviously Osimhen. 
Um, Ikone will obviously be buzzing because of uh, such a successful time with the French team. Mm. Um, so I am going to be hopelessly, as I say, optimistic here. And I, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go even beyond that. I'm gonna go uh, a two-one Lille win, and I've no idea why. If I'm perfectly honest, <laughs> <laughs> Mo, would you agree? <laughs> um, no, I think uh, this is one of the rare times I disagree with Rich, but I think it will be two-nil or three-one for Ajax tomorrow. Yeah, I would probably go with the same as you. I mean, I, I'm never very optimistic about Champions League matches in general so um but that's all for the champions league the there are two french teams in the europa league as well starting this week uh the first one we'll talk about is stade rené rich can you before we move on to the europa league of course can you just tell us what happened at the derby in brest on saturday because i don't know if anybody can make sense of this yeah it's a very uh, even now I'm sort of scratching my head as to <laughs> what's actually gone on here. So it was uh, let's cut to the chase. It finished nil nil. It was not an entertaining game, except for about seven minutes in the second half, where <laughs> Hamari Traore put a cross in. Um, Jordan Sibashu was was running for the ball. There was a breast defender, can't quite remember his name, and basically there was a collision. What looked like a collision between. Uh, Sibachu, the defender, and the breast goalkeeper. It, it looked at first glance like, okay, it's it's just a foul by Sibachu. Free kick was going to be given. There was there was there was very there wasn't really anything that was blown for it. The play carried on. Ball eventually came back out to Hamaru Traore, who volleyed it in. Um, Rafinha on his debut looked like he just got a flick on it into the back mm. of the net. And while the keeper was the, still on the ground. While the keeper was on the ground. That's where then the confusion starts. Because initially, Clement Turpin blew the whistle, free kick to Brest. Give it a minute or so. <laughs> then, no, no VAR at this point. Mine changed. Goal to Ren. At that point then... Oh, the I, thought, like, I thought the VA, I thought they first gave the goal with VAR. A VAR came in, and after that, oh. the, the the breast players seemed to to be making arguments to any official they could see, um, including the fourth official. Eventually, after about three or four minutes of arguing, Clement Turpin went to VAR. It was reviewed, and it was then awarded. No, actually, it's not a goal. It's back to being a free kick to breast. Uh, you watch it back. Sibachu is is coming in for the cross. Uh, there may the only thing I can possibly think is that he gives a slight nudge to the breast defender. It's barely anything, but it's that's the only soft. thing I can think as to how a free kick is given. Now, of course, Ren were up in arms. Olivier Leton came down from from where he was sitting up in the up in the stands, and it was, it was all kicking off. Arguments left, right and centre. Effectively transpires that, that Rem believed that Brest effectively forced um, Clement Turpin to go to the VAR, and it was sort of almost under duress. There's now been further developments in that there's rumours, RMC have run with it, that <laughs> That, that Ren are potentially looking at challenging the actual result and seeing if they can get the result basically 
scratched off and some kind Which, of replay or something. Apparently, I mean, I, I'm assuming it's not going to happen because apparently the consequence of that would also be to scratch every result from the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that seems to be the thing. Is it's either it's either well, they're it's definitely either, not going to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not all. We'll absolutely so. not let that happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Marseille fans will be campaigning hard for that. To not but uh, you know, it it was a silly thing. I mean, it was a recurring theme over this weekend of bad use of VAR. Because even yeah. if it had just gone straight to VAR, um, I really don't think even even if I take as much bias off this opinion as possible, I really don't think Sibatu did anything that warranted a foul in that incident. It was simply just the breast defender and the breast goalkeeper colliding. Um, and obviously it, it led to the breast goalkeeper staying down. How hurt he really was, I don't know, because he did he did ultimately continue. But it, it's it's caused a bit of a, a furore. Um, how far it goes, we shall see. How far, if Wren do sort of make an official challenge to this, how far they're willing to take that, how far the LFP are willing to listen to them, what the potential repercussions are, we'll have to wait and see. But it was it was at least a talking point from a game that up until that point, and probably after that, didn't have any talking points. So at least we've got that. Well, it's it's certainly, you know, caused a fury in France. And a lot of people are under the impression that, you know, they changed the referee's mind by putting pressure on him. I mean, it, 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 apparently the the Brest sporting director saw a replay in the stand, thought it was a foul. So he came down to the pitch, started talking to the match delegate, starting telling his players, I promise you there's a foul, believe me, and so on, so that they wouldn't. Well, he says that it was their initiative not to, you know, start play again afterwards. Uh, and it's surprising, I guess, because, you know, Clément Turpin is supposed to be the best French ref. And uh, he's held his ground against Europe's mightiest. And here he is put in difficulty uh, at, over at Brest. Um, I mean, it's silly. I think they should have just let the goal stand, um, Mike Rich. Uh, said uh, it was at, at most the slightest nudge and I think the goalkeeper may have been obviously milking the situation but if you sort of look closely at the replay as well all three breast defenders except the one right in front of the goalkeeper uh, but the ones that were certainly inside the six yard box did not move um, <laughs> and did not contest you know the the goal the shot coming in yeah. um, once sort of the goalkeeper had gone down they just sort of continued and saw when the shot came in that their goalkeeper would still, you know, be able to save it or whatever. And only, only then, when they saw, obviously, that the goalkeeper hadn't reacted and there was a lot of space in the box, did they sort of, you know, go up and down. The goal should have stood. It was very silly, very, very demeaning of sort of the refereeing standards, you know, for, for, so that teams and fans can pressure the referee and still get what they want. Um, and, I mean, Ren may be going too far and obviously asking... The league to take a look at this, they perhaps, you know, not going to get any sort of sympathy from above. But mm. I think they made the wrong mistake and it should have been three points for Ren, for sure. Yeah, certainly. Um, Ren start in, uh, they play Celtic on Thursday. Is it home or away? I didn't write that down. It's, it's in Ren. It's in Ren yeah. against Glasgow Celtic. That's an exciting tie to start the competition with. It is. I, you know, they've they've got. There's there's links obviously from a sort of heritage point mm -hmm. of view. There's obviously the strong Celtic connection. 
Um, the fact that they've played each other quite frequently as well. They've had a couple of pre-season friendlies and you go back to 2011, they played each other in, in the Europa League um, in, in the group stage. So there's, there's, there's going to be, this should be a, a really good atmosphere is, is what I'm hoping. And it's going to be just shy of 2000 Celtic fans traveling over. Um, yeah, I'm just hoping that this is a, re- it's a really good atmosphere. It, it hopefully will be a good game. Um, Ren, obviously, it was it was the Europa League where they sort of really shone. I thought last season, um, perhaps not so in the group stages, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be a it will be a good game. I think Celtic will give Ren a good game. I think Ren will give Celtic a good game. Um, I, I, as a as far as predictions go, I don't know if I could make a prediction. If I'm perfectly honest, without um, either betraying my uh, the team I support or coming across as ridiculously biased, and I I don't want to sit on the fence again and, and make a prediction of a draw. But um, it's obviously a Celtic team that are bang in form. Uh, you know they've made their usual strong start to the season. Wren obviously have made a strong start, although perhaps last two games just faltered slightly. Um, but what they do have, of course, is they have newly appointed. August's Player of the Month in Eduardo Camavinga, who was announced as having won the award um, earlier on today, becoming the youngest player to ever win that award. Um, so a little, a little Philip needed, I think, for for Ren and for for Camavinga. So uh, it will be it be nice to see him on the European stage as well, and just see if again he continues to be undaunted by by big um, big matches for him. Kamavinga, I'm not sure if he would he will start uh, on on Thursday, given that he started already over the weekend, and it's going to be a whole another story playing, you know, against European opposition and so on. In a in the fervor that you know the Wasan Park can host for one of these nights. I remember when Arsenal played there last year, that was uh, you know quite an impressive sight from Rennes, and I think because of that. I'm going to be positive on this one, Rich. I'll ma- I'll make a optimistic Thank you. <laughs> prediction, and I think they can they can squeeze a win from it. I don't know if you agree, Mo. Um, I think they can, um, and I think um, I think it'll be a tight game. I think Celtic are not, you know, certainly no pushovers despite the quality of the league they play in. Um, but they also, you know, do sometimes have a have a good pop at. Um, at the European fixtures as well. So it'll be a very interesting game. Um, and I think Ren will do very well to avoid defeats um, on that one. I think in the end, I'll probably go for a draw. I think a lot will a lot will hinge on Mbanyang. Um He missed the game at the weekend. Oh, yeah. He got a, he picked up a, a knock to his knee in training last week. Um, and they're monitoring him on a daily basis now. So a lot, I think, will hinge on whether he plays or not. Um, if he does, then yeah, I think Ren Ren do have a strong chance of of getting the win. Uh, if he doesn't, then I just think that they might just. He's such an important player, especially in these European games, as we saw last season. Mm. He's such an he is such an important player, and obviously, without him, I just don't think that attack is has quite got the same um, that same. Level, shall we say? I think Sabachu was is uh, as good a player as he is. I just don't think he's yet found his feet on a consistent basis with Ren. 
they could go with with Adrian Hunu up front. Again, he's just come back from a from an injury. Um, he, he came on in the in the second half against Brest, but I don't know whether I'd necessarily want him leading the line. I suspect that's the option they'll go with. Um, I, I suspect and um, Niang, if, if he does play, will be off the bench. Um, so. Yeah, I will. I will still continue to to claim that that Ren can win this game, um, but I think the uh, the role that Niang has in that match and however much he plays will have a a big bearing on the outcome. Let's hope for the best. And the other Europe, Europa League team from France this season is Saint Etienne, and they played on Sunday. Came back from two nil against Toulouse for a two two draw. Now, obviously, it could have been more because there were. Three cancelled goals in this one and, and lots of VAR controversy if that's what you like. Mo, what did you make of this match? Very yeah, no, it was a very, very interesting game and I, I find it, I mean, I'll be honest, it's been a while since I've seen a Toulouse side being very confident in attack, certainly mm. away from him against a, I guess a better team. Normally they're very dull and very sort of, um, you know, they don't play with any sort of attacking flair or swagger. Um, but they, they somehow went went you know, two and a half after about uh, 25 minutes. Um, a fortunate penalty, I thought. Um, Kolodzak took down um, his his marker, and um, he Gradel con- uh, you know, converted the penalty, followed by Leia Seca. Uh, for Saint Etienne, it was you know very very slow start. They they struggled in the first half, um, and Toulouse perhaps should have had a third um, had the ball not cannoned off the post. Um, and then towards the end of that first half. So it was, you know, the stage was set for Saint-Étienne to mount a comeback because, you know, they've had a very difficult start to the season, having lost their last two games. Um, and we're very lucky uh, when a long ball uh, from the left found Hamuma, who cut in and fired a very, very nice shot. The eternal um, Hamuma. Exactly. I mean, he's <laughs> always a very crafty player. He is... He's a he's a good player to have um, on your team, especially when you're trying to take the game by the scruff of its neck, and he equalised as well. Um, and like you mentioned, controversy everywhere, um, none more so in the last minute of the game. Um, in the last minute, when Berich uh, thought he had to, he had the ball over the over the line, and Toulouse were absolutely dejected, and one of their defenders kicking the post in frustration before the VAR saved them. And, yeah, I thought it very amusing that Saint-Étienne's Twitter account went absolutely nuts, only to then sort of issue another tweet saying, yeah, we jumped the gun a little bit. I'm so sorry. The VAR has had spotted an offside. It looked really, really tight, really level um, on, on the replay. So it's, you know, to lose will be aggrieved, but they've only lost once in the last five games. Um, they've had a solid start to the season and not sort of the start that, makes you wonder that they'll get relegated and mm. having to sort of win every other game <laughs> from March onwards. It's been it's been a stable start. Um you know they've they should have perhaps picked picked up a victory and had they picked up a victory they would have joined Rennes and Marseille and Nantes um at the top uh in the podium places as well. Uh for Saint Etienne it's it's just yeah, I mean slowly Hopefully they are coming, you know, out. I mean, they lost narrowly to Marseille. They've drawn this game, having been 2 0 down, and those games coming after their sort of humiliation at least. So slowly they're moving in the right direction. But 
you know, Pinton doesn't seem to have the same effect uh, on the players that um, uh, Gasset had uh, last season. But they've got two sort of winnable games. They've got Monche and Nets coming up in the next 10 days um, and then Nîmes as well. So perhaps by the end of the month, they should find themselves, fingers crossed, somewhere uh, in the top 10 before, obviously, the derby against uh, Lyon uh, in about three weeks' time. Well, they have European fixtures to handle as well, starting on Thursday with Ghent, or La Gantoise, as they are called in French. I would say this is the easiest one to predict, surely. I mean, we beat the Belgians at the World Cup. There's no excuse for not beating them in European Cups, is there? Um, it, it's a difficult one. Ghent have had, have had a decent start to the season. Um, they've they've won their last, I think, three games on the bounce in the league. They've they've come through um, qualifying in the Europa League um, to get to the group stage, um, and they came through that relatively untroubled. Um, I think this could be quite a tough game for Saint-Étienne. Saint-Étienne are a team that they're not running at, uh, at sort of full capacity in terms of performance levels at the moment. Um, true, yeah. it, it wouldn't surprise me. It's it's my turn to be the pessimistic one here. It <laughs> wouldn't surprise me to see um, Ghent come away with a with a one nil win um, okay. here. I think I think Saint Etienne. There, there's no obvious goal scorer in their team. You know, Beric is sort of their senior forward. There's a lot of pressure on Hamuma. Seemingly to get the goals, Buwanga's yet to really hit the ground running. Um, you know, it, it's it's difficult to see where those um, where those goals come from. And and with with Ghent being a team that have actually scored pretty freely this season, uh, by all accounts, uh, I can't say that I've seen, but by all accounts, uh, a guy called Jonathan David, I think, is a young Canadian. Um, a young Canadian forward there, really? nineteen-year-old, wow. apparently is has has been performing really well, and certainly he's got the goals so far this season. So he's he's by the sounds of it, he's a key player to watch out for. But yeah, I just I just have concerns. I don't know where Saint-Étienne get the goals here. So something like a one-nil win for for Ghent is certainly something I could see, unfortunately, happening. Mo agreed. I yeah I agree. Um, the fact that it's also away from home and again themselves not too bad. Um, you know they're they are a difficult side to break down. So it will be, I think, one of those games for San Etienne, who hopefully you know can, you know, do you know take take their Europa European campaign a bit seriously as well because otherwise I think given the poor start they made to the season they're going to have to sort of take on sort of an opportunity cost in the, in the next couple of weeks if, if that doesn't improve. Um, so it's good. It will be good for them to, you know, start very well. Um, remind me, sorry, their, their group. I mean, Alexandria and Wolfsburg as well. Uh, yeah. They should be going, they should be going through to the knockout stage and it's a great opportunity for them. Um, and they play Wolfsburg next as well. And then what should be six points against Alexandria? In, in the end of next month so they need to start well but obviously the fact that the team hasn't sort of really gelled yet they haven't really got in the best of themselves yet it might be a difficult game so if they had if they come away with a point there 
Um, I think that would be a job well done, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do go down to one of those 1-0 sort of unspectacular defeats. I would say 1-0 for saint Etienne, but who knows. <laughs> Very quickly, some uh, more Ligue 1 scores from this weekend. Bordeaux beat Metz 2-0 with a Acrobatic goal from uh, Jimmy Briand, who we mentioned earlier. Montpellier-Nice, this was probably the best one of, of the rest of the matches, I think. Nice went up 1-0 away to Montpellier, goal from Tamezé. Delors then scored an equaliser three minutes later with a terrific goal line scramble. That was lots of fun. And uh, a goal from uh, Mollet to win it. He, he's just returning from injury, isn't he? He, he had a very good game. Um, Nantes won Reims nil. Goal from Khalifa Koulibaly. Nantes are actually third in the league. How about that? After having their their manager resigned, what, one week before the league started? And here they are, third in the league. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, I mean, what can you say? Is, I think <laughs> their wins have, have been sort of the wins that you expect. The defeats have been the ones that you'd expect. And that really annoying draw they had with Marseille as well, <laughs> uh, which would have seen uh, OM third and Nantes maybe fourth or fifth so I mean they've, they've done well but I think they've you know all the goals have been all the wins have been one goal victories as well um, that's true it's, it's a sort of form that is perhaps easy to pick apart but you know again they've done exactly what's expected of them they are they are third on goal difference they would have been fourth had Ketabadi not scored um, but they've you know they're playing you know Ren next week as well and and um you know, mm. wait to Strasbourg uh, for the first game on Friday. Um, we'll see how, how well they get along um, on those two games. If they manage to take at least four points, then I think, you know, Gokov has, has started very, very well. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I guess for Monts, even if they do, um, you know, overachieve and, you know, make a name for themselves, Keith will somehow find a way uh, to cut themselves down back to size. So, yeah, yeah. If either Nantes or Marseille had won that sad nil-nil, they would be top of the league right now, tied with PSG on points. So some regrets, I guess, there for either of them. The last match of the weekend was Dijon Nîmes nil-nil. Uh, that seems like a pretty terrible one, but a first point of the season for Dijon, although they are still bottom of the league. Very quickly, some news from Ligue 2. Lorient are back on top, having beaten Clermont, while Le Havre stumbled at home to bottom side Paris FC, nil-nil. Uh, meanwhile, Chambly conceded their first goal of the season. I, I regret not mentioning this earlier. I should have. Chambly, who are a promoted side, kept clean sheets in their opening six matches, which is the best start to a season, defensively speaking, for any Ligue 2 team since the and new then... format. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that. <laughs> Since the new format was made in 1993, but this weekend they played Auxerre and uh, lost 4-1. So, Ouch. <laughs> too bad for that record. <laughs> Chambly okay. are a funny, are a funny side. They're known for, you know, they're inspired by Inter Milan. So the, their logo and their kit looks like Inter Milan's, and uh, they, well, they seem to have an Italian style for the yeah. start of this season. Never conceding. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm quite surprised looking at the table. Um, for Ligue 2 to see Paris FC that far back, considering how close they were. Yeah, they were struggling um, last season. So you know, the fact they're struggling, they've conceded quite a few goals and and have lost you know five of their seven games so far. I mean, that's a bit of a 
a bit of a surprise. I, I you know, I would like to see them uh, come up. I think it might be a case that you know they may, may have solved or or got rid of um, you know their their players who succeeded last season, but it's it's a disappointment for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing that have. Um, trying to uh, mount a comeback as well. That'll be something to watch over the next couple of months. What, what, is, what, what is quite nice in League Dern is you've, uh, you've got the, the sort of established teams, if you like, and the teams you'd expect mm. in in those sort of top four places. Certainly Lorient, Le Havre and, and Troyes are teams that you would expect to be up there come the end of the season. But then in fifth and sixth are the two promoted teams, Rodez and, Rodez and, and Chambly. So, you know, we... we We've seen it before, where teams get promoted from the National and then straight into League League. I think Amiens themselves are, uh, are probably a recent mm. perfect example of that of back-to-back promotion. So it can be done, and it wouldn't be wouldn't half be some story if it could happen again with 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 clubs of their nature as well. Yeah, and and my back in the day, my Evian also had back-to-back promotions, but. It's no, a sad right. story. Not, not, no. Yeah, not, not, not quite the happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, in the Women's League, also this weekend, uh, Lyon and Paris continue to steamroll the start of the season. They won 6-0 and 4-0 respectively, so Lyon is back in first place on goal difference. Uh, but clearly they must be tiring because those are smaller scores than in their opening Champions League matches last week. Lyon beat Riazan from Russia 9-0, PSG beat Braga 7-0, so lots of fun for them. The surprise from the weekend comes from Bordeaux, who beat Montpellier. Now, Montpellier is kind of an established club in the first division, even though they're, uh, you know, behind Lyon and Paris, of course. But Bordeaux made some very good signings this summer, and now they're the only team left with uh, 9 points out of 9, apart from, of course, the two Ogres. So that's all for today. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at GFFN for all the latest news on French football. You can also look at our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. Make sure you listen to the preview show recorded by Lewis on Thursday, Lewis and his panel on Thursday. And we'll be back on Monday, next Monday, to talk about all the latest from Ligue 1 and some European competitions too. Enjoy the week. Thank you for listening.